Welcome back, everybody. Six Pack Lapidat, and today we have Randy Cook. Um, just got back from the Canadian National Championships, and uh, both of us secured Canadian national titles in the uh, M1s. And um, but you will not be going. You won it on the bench, and uh, you won't be going. You, I don't think you're going to Tokyo. No, I don't think I'll be going to Tokyo for bench. Bit of a. But you also took a bronze, hit the podium, and. Um, you might, you may still make a team for Sweden. Not entirely sure yet. You were saying, is that right? Yes, it's a possibility. I haven't decided whether I'll take that one yet or not, or whether how much that qualifying is going to be. But uh, pretty sure it's there unless uh, something changes. And um, but I will be going to Sweden to commentate for sure already. Yeah, getting all inclusive paid for me. So now that I made the national team. Hell yeah. I got no reason not to. Yeah. Why the hell would I not now that, now that I won the title? And then um, there's some big lifts, man. Kelly Brayton taking, uh, shit, how much was 943, it? 943, I think it was, or something like 943 that. 943 pounds, and in kilo, I believe that is, oh shoot, 427? And a half. And a half, yeah. I don't know. I just said Somewhere around there. Good. But uh, Kelly Brayton's back on steam. Arnold Classic. Um, he had some big, uh, big showings as well. Uh, also, big news: Amanda Lawrence is now with Joey Flex. Flex Squad is growing. I don't think her her training was going poorly, based off of what I've seen in the training numbers. It was got everybody all riled up. But she decided, nonetheless, time for a shakeup, and she's she is on the Flex Squad, and the Flex Squad is is getting. You know what else I seen too? Deep. Did I see Steffi Cohen doing something for Nike? Shut up. I swear I seen something there. You shut your whore mouth. Maybe I'm wrong. But I swore I seen her posting something about doing something, having some interview with Nike. That'd be amazing. I'm going to check into it. I think everybody listening is, because that'd be freaking amazing if it was. I could. Not, not, what, what we're going to do, I don't want to go too on on this, because we got, we got a, a guest tonight. Uh, today we got a two-time world champion, both equipped and raw. So... We will do a quick little um, recap show, both for the Arnold as well as Canadian Nationals, some standouts that you might want to watch out for leading into the World Championships who will be on the Canadian team, but also the Arnold Classic and some powerlifting news. Who's doing what? But right off the bat, a little bit of juicy gossip was that Amanda Lawrence joining the Flex Squad and Daniela Mello, who no longer will be going head-to-head against Amanda Lawrence. Daniela Mello dropping down to 72 kilo. And it'll be interesting to see how Daniela Mello feels, because that's a big that, that's a big drop. You know, uh, it might take a little little bit of change in terms of um, you know when when you get underneath that bar and you're a much smaller human. I'll be honest with you, if, if that's the case, and she actually does it, I'm pretty excited for that because that's a that's a fucking killer fucking seventy two again. You have it'll be exciting. Jessica, Bader. that's like that's you like have, a, you have uh, Isabella. Isabella. Uh, I, I just... And it's it's like it's one of those deals. Like, how exciting was it when Je- when uh, Isabella said she's going down sixty three? Now Daniela, who's an absolute beast, is going down to seventy two. What am I looking at? Here? What are you trying to show me? Oh wait. Oh, thank you to Nike from Steffi Cohen on her latest post. But she doesn't necessarily say what it is. Uh, we'll see. I'll keep you in tune with what the situation was. It's at Nike, Miami Beach, so... 
Yeah, exactly what it was. It was an event and she stood up there and had a, and talked. That's still awesome. Not necessarily going to be in Nike commercials, which would be fucking sick. Um, but it looks like there might have been some kind of convention. And Stiffy Cohen stepped in, took the mic and, and talked about, um, you know, training and, and what, which is like in terms of a, an ambassador. And I said this before, Steffi Cohen's got to be way up there. Um, you know, she looks like that, the part where she is through and through an athlete trains. You will not out train her in terms of knowledge base and every from mobility to stretching to rehab and everything, all aspects of training. She's, she's a huge knowledge base. So, and then backs it up with just some killer performances. Um, so yeah. I think she's she's a hell of an ambassador and obviously got a crazy following, but uh, but yeah. So without further ado, let's give let's give our guest a ring, and then our next episode, by all means, we're gonna belt off this Arnold Classic and Canadian uh, Championship look back, and then we're we're getting close. We're gonna start our lead into the IPF Worlds and the U.S. Open, probably U.S. Open first, followed by the IPF Worlds, and uh, every guest leading into those will be coming from those events. And kind of biopic them as well as the showdowns they're involved in. So um, stay tuned to that. With no further ado, Shale Buckland. All right, everybody. Today we have IPF World Champion. You what? Shale Buckland, who has won worlds both in equipped and in the classic division, and has found himself uh, smack dab in a couple of rivalries. Um, we got a bit of a deadlift rivalry with Deadlift Panda, Yang Su Ren, and of course, uh, Taylor Atwood. So we had, uh, just for anyone who listens, um, it, by the way, today it's going to be six-pack Lapidat and Randy Cook, um, but we've had Taylor Atwood on previously, and um, we're discussing, you know, uh, winning the Worlds, not winning the Worlds, and some rivalries that he's had. And um, a rivalry was with Shell and um, Shell, and uh, you would actually message saying, or I think you posted up saying, you know what, this is a bit of a one-sided conversation here. There's two <laughs> sides to every story, and um, and yes, there is. And for anyone who hasn't done the research, um, you're gonna want to look into this guy. I mean, not very many people win worlds both in and out of equipment, uh, breaking world records. 74 kilo and 84 ki- and 83 kilo. Um, definitely world-class individual. Um, just happens to not be in North America. And that is where the big social media push really comes from. So um, I hope some people get a little bit of... Uh, we shine a little light on yourself, sir. And, um, and with no further ado, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Feeling good? I'm feeling good. great. Yeah. Excellent. So let's, let's take it back for, for some people. Um, let's talk about your resume a little bit. How, cause you, but you've been lifting, although you're, are you 30 or 31? 30. 30 years old. So you're not an old yeah. guy by any means, but <laughs> 31 this year, 31 this year. But how long have you been powerlifting? Since I was 19, I think. Yeah. So you are a grizzly going on a 12 year vet. Yeah. Despite only being 30 years old. Um, and so that would be dating back in my math is terrible, but clearly before the IPF, um, ever went raw. So you started out in gear. He started around 2007, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2007. Yeah. My first meet was in December, 2007. And would you, so in Norway is, um, how big is powerlifting in Norway? Mm, it's not like 
the US or something, but I think we have maybe thousand lifters, maybe and is something it, like that. Is it a popular sport? Like, what sports are big in Norway? Because I know in the Winter Olympics, Norway absolutely mops up. Like, Nor- the, Nor- <laughs> the Norwegians just kill it in the Winter Olympics. I don't know if you're more of like a Winter Olympic um, country, but what sports are big for for kids growing up and, and adults watching? Cross country skiing, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and football and gymnastics, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? All those sports, even football, and anyone listening from North America, he means soccer on his end. It's yeah, yeah, soccer, yeah. yeah, not American football, but yeah. So it's like a total different world, to be honest, because um, over in North America, we have essentially the big sports are hockey, basketball, baseball, football, American football. It's, it's European football or soccer is starting to get bigger. It's getting bigger and bigger, but it's not quite on there. So it's like a total different sports culture. So when you were growing up, what sports were you into watching? Uh, I think it was cross-country skiing because we were so good in that sport. Yeah. The, the Worlds was just now when we won uh, all the gold, medal, gold medals. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how good. <laughs> and not just cross-country skiing, but in Winter Olympics in general, Norway kills it. Like, in terms yeah. of your population, um, you have a population... How many people live in Norway? Is it 5 million or 6 million? Uh, yeah, six, five, 6, 7 million. 5 or 6, yeah. And that's like, like, like um, for instance, New York or LA is bigger than that, one city. But then, when you look at how many gold medals you win at the Olympics, compared to your population, it's crazy. Like you guys, yeah, it's crazy. You guys it's really ab- crazy. You guys, at, per capita, you guys absolutely kill the Winter Olympics. Um, so given that, when you're growing up and, and, and uh, there's a big push towards the Winter Olympics, when did you start lifting weights? I started lifting weights when I was 17. Uh, I weighed 40 kilos. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Benched 40 kilos. Uh, after one year of lifting, I weighed 80 kilos. Holy smokes. <laughs> so how did, yeah. how did you double your body weight? Your mom would be like, yeah. slow down. The grocery bill is double. <laughs> Yeah, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of chicken wings and chocolate milk. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Is, I think you were eating the plates on the way out the door. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> yeah. Be careful, you're going to eat your, the cutlery in your fingers. Um, so so you just like doubled in size, and I'm assuming it couldn't all have been muscle right off the bat, right? Were you still, oh. You're probably still growing though, right? Yeah, yeah, there was was a lot, lot of fat that time. Uh, <laughs> and was a lot of just bench training, actually. Okay. I didn't do any squats or deadlifts and things like that. So my bench went from 40 kilos to 170 that Holy year. Holy freaking smokes, man. And that's when you were like, yeah, I think I might be good at this. Hmm? And that's what? when you were thinking, I think I might be good at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was on a forum uh, and they talked about uh, bench nationals. And I, and I saw that I can... I, that I could take the national record. Uh, <laughs> so I asked uh, the club if my numbers was good enough to come. Uh, and they were, of course. So yeah. uh, so I went to the club. Every, everyone thought that I was using <laughs> drugs or doping, of course, yeah. because uh, of my uh, weight gaining and 
and the the bench press. Yeah, the, the the progress. Yeah, the progress was good. So, but it took me like three years to get that record. Anyhow. And did you? So when you first start getting into something like powerlifting in Norway, because the, the time period in terms of like 2007, 2008-ish, it was a whole nother ball game. Like there is no social media with, in terms, like there was, like even Facebook was relatively new. And I remember, I think yeah. I joined Facebook in 2007. Like it was almost, there was no Instagram. YouTube was, was there, but it was still relatively, like nothing like it is now. But, like, po- but powerlifting in Europe, especially the equipped, was always a little bit bigger. Like it wasn't until you seen the transition that that, that happened, it was, right? It was bigger, but there wasn't, um, like to be able to pool your resources and collect information or find like, for instance, nowadays, you can get a coach at the other side of the world and that's totally normal. Whereas you're far more likely in this time period to you know, be coached by somebody who's who's within the same city, etc. Well, like how? Well, yeah, that that time difference is sending a photo and a letter. You don't yeah. need the battle. We still had email. This wasn't the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, but it would have been would have been horrible dial up. No, not two thousand seven eight. <laughs> how come on, man? How old are you? You forget already. So, how did you find um, like in terms of your coaching and whatnot? Did you find like a mentor, or was there a coach that took you under his wing? Yeah, uh, the cool thing is uh, I'm from a little town in Norway called Jøvik. Uh, and the nearest club uh, also had the two national coaches. Oh, damn. Was it Didmar? <laughs> yeah, Didmar was one of them. Because he's on the, um, obviously, uh, a member in the IPF. Um, I see him when I commentate for the World Championships. And I know he's way deep into coaching. So that's pretty convenient. That's like destiny, my friend. Yeah, that's Disney. So <laughs> I had the, the junior coach was there as well. Yeah. So he helped me out until 2011. Then I had a new junior coach, and then Dietmar took over in 2012. And what was what was like the differences once you got coaching? Everything else mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of like form and programming. How, how was that back then? Because I've seen myself personally. I remember when I first started. Everybody was on like the Borishiko where you got a spreadsheet, you put in your max lifts and then, and then it just kind of like you worked off of max lifts, but you did, there was no like RPE wasn't very popular yet. Um, you know, a lot of these variations you see now weren't really popular yet is mostly based off of like percentage base, which some people still do. But back in the day, it felt like that was like the norm. Um, how was, how was the programming for you back in the day? Yeah, it was uh, it was like the Shaco programs, but the did more. So everyone on the national team, or everyone in the country doing powerlifting, did that program, oh, and wow. it worked. Yeah, it worked very well. Yeah, it's like everyone that's on the national team now, uh, equipped, did use the Didmar programs. No kidding. Yeah. And and how do you know? Did he ever tell you how he devised these? No, I'm, I'm really not sure, uh, but he's been like doing this for, I don't know, 20 years or something. Yeah. Well, he collects and, data. That's for yeah, sure. and I think he collects a lot from uh, the, Russian, the Russian lifting. Yeah, no, I'm sure he does his research, that's, that's for sure. And not only that, because Dittmar is eats, lives, sleeps, breathes, powerlifting, um, he can collect tons of data and figure out the best way to approach this. Um, 
So were you? Because Dittmar now is, uh, I think he's with, is he now with the German coaching? Yeah. Yeah. So were you along the ways? Were you always under Dittmar? Did you ever get a personal coach as well? I was under Dittmar. Yeah. Maybe not uh, the last year or something. From now, I've 2018 to 2019 was without Dittmar. So you were with him for that long? Yeah. He helped me out winning in the Worlds in 2017. Wow. So is it kind of, when you're with somebody that long and you've, you've broken all these world records, won world titles, and then they go, is it a little, like, how do you feel about that? It's a, that's a bit of a change-up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But uh, I got a new coach now. Yeah. Uh, from Denmark, uh, he was a lifter before, called uh, Jacob Bierman. Uh, we were friends for many years, and now it works really good. I really, I really just need a coach that cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after he started training me after the Europeans uh, in 2018, training has been really good, really, really good. I guess at this point, after um, like so many years of tr- of training. And, and knowing programming, you kind of got an idea as well what works for you. Yeah, yeah, I do. But it's like when I don't know what it is really because when when people are making programs for me, it really doesn't matter who makes the program or what it's on the program. It's like I just want to have something to say. That's it. Doesn't have to change anything. I just want to have something to say. Like when you mean when you mean something to say, do you mean your input? Yeah, my input. Yeah. So what do you when you say that? Do you mean um, how so? Is that where you like you want to pick some numbers that you want to hit? And by the way, do you have a camera on your end that you could turn on? No, I don't have any camera. It's this is stationary. Okay, well it is what it is. That's okay. <laughs> but um. When you mean something to say, do you mean like, do you like to pick some numbers here and there? Or is it like a single you like to hit that makes you feel better that you could gauge? It's not really the numbers. It's more like the frequency, volume, uh, kind of exercises, things like that. Mm. And what are some of those, if you don't mind sharing? Mm, I really like deficits, uh, deficit deadlifts, conventional and sumo. Hmm. Um, as strong as in both of them so it doesn't really matter what kind of them I will use for the competition so I don't know yet on the on the walls now if I will pull conventional or sumo that's you know it's tough when you're a switch hitter like that um, because it's I, I mean there's benefits to both I think though when you walk into the gym if they're both pretty even and you're like, ah, I could go either which way. But when you're in competition and you've already squatted, do you feel like there's a benefit to pulling conventional and it takes a little load off the legs after squatting? It does, it, how does that affect in terms of your judgment? Uh, I, I don't know yet because when I pulled 325 uh, conventional, I only did that because of my, uh, I had a little injury in my hip. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know yet. Maybe I, maybe after a really heavy squat, I will have more problems with the conventional. But I don't know. See, it's it's a amen to the injury, the hit, and pulling conventional to help for that. Because 
Um, Canadian Nationals just rolled around, and I had like a hip injury that was hampering my squat. And um, so it, during the competition, like the squat wasn't, it, it felt a lot better than it did in training. But because I pulled conventional, when it came down to the deadlifts, when you lift conventional, your hips can go high. I mean, my hips, when I deadlift conventional, are super high. Does not <laughs> impact it at all. You know, I have the benefit of like, man, whatever happens to my squat, my deadlift's, my deadlift's fine. Which is one of those nice things when, you know, you pull, uh, I've, t- I've talked to, we've had John Hack on here. And he talked about how he'll squat high bar, which is far more taxing on the legs. You know, the knees drift more forward. The hips yeah. don't drift as far back. So it's less impact on the hips. It's more on the legs. And then he pulls conventional, which is more lower back dominant. You still need legs, obviously. but So it actually helps, he said, him not gas out. So he, he can spread, you know, the energy that he's pulling from, if that makes sense. So it's, yeah. it, there is a benefit. If you're a switch hitter like yourself, you can almost kind of game day decide, you know what? Uh, I think maybe conventional might help. I got to ease up on the legs. That was a tough squat or vice versa, right? Yeah, or maybe I would just start with sumo, conventional in the second, and then go sumo in <laughs> third. <laughs> well, you, you put the third down... You stop your knees like, ah, I didn't, I didn't, I, let me try this again. Well, I imagine, <laughs> I, I imagine. Look, that was a test. Let me, let me do this again. I imagine when you're a switch hitter, though, you just go, you're going to pick the one that feels the best coming in through training camp. Like, whatever your blocks, like, yeah, it is. But I mean, if you're hitting equal numbers on it, you're going to, you're probably going to hit whatever feels most comfortable at the time. Like, I've seen, no joke, uh, Michael, I don't want to butcher his last name, Pravitsa. Yeah. He, he had pulled. He was pulling conventional. This is a Canadian lifter, okay? He was pulling conventional, started messing around with sumo, and started hitting, like, PRs and training, and then he got to the point where it's the nationals, and he's like, I don't know which way I'm going to pull. He's like, he's like, people are messaging me, like, are you sumo now? And he's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, I might, I might be. I, I don't know. And he's like, literally day of, he might start warming up, but warm-up weight always feels... It's not max. Like you, you can't tell until it gets heavy anyway. So you're like, uh, you kind of got to just pick a lane and be like, oh, fuck it. Hopefully this is the right choice. Right? Yeah. It's, it's tough. But it's at the very least, it's good to have an option if you ever do get any kind of injury, like a hip injury or whatever. You bring the legs in, a growing injury, whatever it is. Bring the legs in, pull, pull conventional. And as long as it's within ballpark, you're all right. But for yeah. some people, if you only can pull sumo, and you take a hip injury on the squat, uh, what are you going to do? Your, your deadlift's getting impacted. I mean, there's no yeah. if ands, ways around it. Um, in terms of what were, what, what, back in the day, what are some of the changes that you have seen when you were powerlifting back in the day in like 2008, 9, 10, 11, and what it is now? Because for some people listening, and I, was, I started powerlifting myself 2007 at the tail end of it. And um, I remember you show up to a powerlifting com- competition and oftentimes you wouldn't know who would be there until you showed up. You saw them maybe once a year, maybe not if you're not even in the same competition. You kind of know what's going on around the world, but you might just know somebody by their name. You meet them in real life like, oh shit, that's what he looks like. Like it's, it was so different and nobody cared about powerlifting uh, nobody knew what powerlifting was. When you talk to friends, they think you're a bodybuilder. <laughs> and, and fast forward, and, and nobody, yeah, like nobody super, super is paying attention. And then you fast forward now, 
and we have people who are like Instagram famous, you know, like um, people, like Larry Wheels has got a million followers. Steffi Cohen's got half a million followers. The live streams. I remember there was a time in powerlifting, you could see the scorecard. The scoreboard was on the website and I would refresh it every 30 seconds and it would show me the scoreboard and I would see red or green on the attempts. I was following one of my friends, Alex Trolls, and that's when I knew if he got his attempt or not. It was red or green. And if it if it refreshed his next attempt green, I was like, yes! Woo! Woo! He got it in that. I'm not shitting you. That was my online powerlifting experience at like 2009 or 10. Like that's how shitty it was for people these yeah, it was. for people these days to talk any smack about the live stream. It's like you guys have no idea what it was like back in the day. And it's it's like a trip for me. I'm the IPF uh, commentator for the World Championships for the Classic Worlds anyways. And I see like Slow motion replay, multiple angles. Um, I'll do a preview show live on the air beforehand to tell people what to expect. Hop up there and interview the winners afterwards and stuff. And like, we have like podcasts like this one. And like, there's so much media content. Preview shows, like, oh, you know, who's going to win this and talk about rivalries. Back in, in, back in the day, there was none of that. <laughs> I mean, but for anyone listening who, who, who doesn't fully appreciate what we have now, none of that. I was refreshing a freaking page to see if his attempt went green or red. And then I cheered. Like, that's... Like, have, have you experienced in your end? Like, has it been a bit of a trip for yourself seeing it blow up and seeing how much the sport has grown? Yeah, it has been really insane how it has changed. Uh, I remember... Uh, when I started in 2007, uh, and we had we had one lifter in the club who was on the national team, and he lifted like in 2005 or six or something. Yeah. And it's like you, you you couldn't know what he lifted before the day after or something, or if you called him or yeah, there was <laughs> yeah. there was no information. It was yeah, like, you had to wait like a week until you saw him. <laughs> right? You you like you run into him at the gym. Oh, how'd you do, by the way? Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to congratulate think, him or pat him on the back. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's extreme. I think it's happened a lot after the um, unequipped or the classic division came. Yeah, uh, a lot of things happened. Uh, I don't, I don't remember how uh, it was in was in two thousand and eleven the the classic cup or uh, twelve. Twelve was the classic cup, and they're kind of testing it. They were like. Yeah. It's funny. They were like, um, we're not sure. We're going to do a World Cup. It's not called the World Championships. We're not sending national champions yet or whatever. It's, <laughs> let's see what happens. And then it, was, it went really well. And they're like, all right, all in 2013. Yeah. The streaming then was, was good because it was in Sweden. Uh, and I remember when I was at my first Worlds in 2009 in Brazil. Then it's like, when we, you saw the best lifters, you have never seen them before. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I was in the 83 kilo class then, and yeah. I lifted against um, Insarkin, Dimitri, you know him, in the 93 now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and a guy called uh, Daniel Miller, he was also a great lifter. I think there were three guys in junior class who squatted 352. Oh, it's wow. like okay. 
<laughs> all right okay we're doing 352 now okay <laughs> yeah all three of them it's like okay <laughs> i think all three of them tried world records as well in the total so it's like the it was insane the level was yeah what was your impression when you first started powerlifting and you found out about equipment involved like obviously you took to it and um and and it was fine for you but what was your first impression when you found about equipment like bench shirts, squat suits, when you started getting into powerlifting? There was nothing else. So, so it was like I came there to the club and I was like, here, take this shirt, try it on. No, they don't. And yeah. yeah, so it was like this until 2012, 13. Uh, in Norway, people had uh, classic uh, meets uh, in Christmas. That was the only meat people people were doing raw. Huh. So you didn't even... So that was it. You just took it as a part of the sport. And um, in Norway, there was no such thing as any other option. No. You yeah. had to do equipment. So I remember when we're, we were starting to, to do the raw, I didn't like it because I was a quick lifter. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so if you lifted raw, you got a little star on the protocol. And I didn't want that, so I lifted raw in every every lift. But in my last deadlift, I took knee wraps on my left uh, <laughs> knee. Knee wraps <laughs> too. Whoa. Just not to get the, not, not just not to get the start. So you you wanted to rebel against it? Yeah. It didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> it's, that's like that's like some everyone's driving horses. Somebody comes up with the car, and you're like, nope. 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 <laughs> Drive a horse with all the that's, that's like, No, he bought the car and had the horse pull it around. You were telling people, listen to me, classic is going to kill powerlifting. Okay? You don't want to do this. <laughs> listen to me, guys. I, I, I didn't say that. I, I just didn't like the star. I didn't like the star. But I didn't, I didn't really like the, the roll lifting because I was so so bad at it. Really? So yeah, I remember when I was lifting in, in Canada, in Moose Jaw, in yeah. 2011. Yeah. I was, like, lifting against a good American lifter, uh, Knut Douglas. Okay. You know who he is? His, na- his name, I haven't met him, though. Yeah, but uh, he was, like, squatting 250 raw or something, and I had, like, 170. But I still did, like, 322.5 with equipment, so, yeah, it worked for me. Yeah. So, so it was it just the fact that for anyone listening, for a lot of people, because um, I myself never really got into equipped. Um, what was the major differences that you could get so much while lifting equipment, but then when you took it off, it just felt different, and you're like, "Wow, I don't like this." Like for a lot of people, when they first try equipped, it's the opposite. They're like, "Holy smokes, this is so different." I feel like this is this feels crazy. Was it just like the the, the groove or like the tension and when it was gone you didn't like the lack of tension because obviously you figured it out but what was it initially that you didn't like? I think uh, lifting with equipment gives like another dimension it's like so much harder it's it's uh, I think that when I'm lifting at a raw meet it's like I can just talk to someone until they call me up like <laughs> now it's your turn and it's like okay go out and lift so it's I'm, I'm glad that I did that quick for so many years, uh, and I'm still loving to do it, uh, but it's, it's much harder. But I understand that people are not starting with it now. It is, you're right in that it is a variable. 
Like it's a variable that gets added that makes it like, okay, you're good. You got a big bench, but can you handle that bench when you got a shirt on? The weight has increased 200 pounds or 100 kilo, whatever. And now like everything, all the variables come into play when it comes, when you throw that shirt on. And now it's a whole nother ball game. And it does add variables. Like some people can actually, you can get two guys, exact same squat, exact same size and dimensions of lifter. They throw on the exact same squat suit and the exact same wraps and their squat changes. And one guy out squats the other because he can work his, his, his equipment. And um, that's something that some people like because it's like, oh, it's tougher now. You can't handle your equipment. Like I know my equipment and whatnot. And other people are like, I don't like that being a variable. Like, you know, so <laughs> it depends, right? Uh, but I know what you mean where um, it can add the complexity of it. And um, it kind of adds a variables that can make it exciting sometimes. Sometimes. But, yeah, well, it depends, right? <laughs> it is tough too, like you said. Um, the other variable would be if you're training in equipment, depending where you are, you got to, like, whether it's getting your suit on, getting your bench shirt on, wrapping your knees, the length of the training day becomes longer. You need help putting things on and off and, like, unloading and re-racking like like bench attempts and stuff like that like there's variables you know it changes a lot not just on the platform but your training as well yeah it does and it takes a lot of time and uh, most of the time i just hate the equipment in training Uh, i love it when it goes good in competition but in training the shirt i've thrown it through the wall because i'm so angry at it it's like it just hurts and it's just takes a lot of time and you just it, it's hard to manage to get like 60 kilos out of the shirt that's it's hard yeah yeah no for sure and when you when they so when they started saying we're gonna start doing classic um initially did you have any inclination like i don't know what it felt like in norway i know in north america um we had far more like options if you don't want to lift in in equipped there's other federations and there was there was like a whole Right, the IPF wasn't raw or classic yet, and I remember telling people if the IPF ever opened a classic division, everybody in these other federations. I was one of those guys at the time, which is funny because I'm like way into the IPF now, like doing their commentary and everything. But at the time, I was never into equipment, and I remember telling people if they ever open a raw category, all of us are jumping ship and joining the IPF. Like all of us are gonna like you know, and and it'll double in size overnight because. All the other federations shrink and join the IPF. And then people who watched powerlifting but didn't understand equipment, and for them it was like a mental barrier just as watching. It, it looks it looks different, right? It doesn't look right to them what they think, what they see in the gym. Did you think to yourself in Norway, were you thinking when they go raw, when they go classic, did you know it? Did you have a feeling, oh, my God, this could blow up? Or did you not anticipate that? Uh I don't really remember what I was thinking at that time, but I knew that the Americans would be hard because you saw them at the end of meet. You saw like Jesse Norris and was like squatting like 250 raw at, and he was like, I don't know, 16 or something yeah. before, before <laughs> he put the equipment on, on the, some worlds in 2010 or something. Yeah. You just saw that they were really, really strong. And I think the, I think the Americans uh, have been strong uh, for like forever, but they didn't really 
didn't really do that great with the equipment or someone do of course yeah we have lifters that do great but you just see now everyone like just nationals is like insane yeah <laughs> it's like it's, it's like a world uh, it's like yeah it's worlds you could you could be an, uh, an 83 kilo lifter um at, at u.s nationals totaling 790 kilo total and you don't make a world team. You're not good enough, <laughs> right? It's like you're not good enough. You you might you might be an alternate, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah it's it's crazy what's happened. Well, if you were to combine the U.S. Nationals like 83 kilo, the top five lifters in there, it would probably out total the world's top five 83s. Except yeah. for Brett Gibbs. I'm saying combined. Yeah. The top yeah. five, the top oh, five. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You Come on, you take you the top five lifters and, and add them together would probably outdo world's top five lifters, yeah. and that's mostly U.S. nationals. Now, yeah. this this does raise though, because U.S.'s talent pool is is so big. They got they got they they have a, a massive population. Uh, the amount of lifters they have, the sheer volume is huge. When you come from a place like Norway, and you're going up against an American, is it like they're the they're Almost like that. They're such a. They're like a, a dream team, super team. Does everyone else kind of target and be like, "We got it. this is us against them" type deal? Mm, I don't know really because uh, the the national team in Norway unequipped is so new. Unequipped, like, all yeah. Still. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the role. Yeah, but now it's getting getting uh, it's getting bigger now. Yeah. But I don't know. Many of the American lifters are so good. Especially on the women's side, like Daniela Mello, uh, yeah. and, uh, Amanda man. is like okay. Yeah. She's like she's like beating me in the squat, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what, 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 is, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Yeah, there's so many strong lifters now. So, but I think the Norwegian team now is uh, starting to get better and better. So, it will be hard, but maybe we will take the Americans. Is it is 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 equipped lifting in in classic lifting in Norway? Is it fifty fifty now? Is one more popular than the other? Yeah, raw is much more popular. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. We had on the on the nationals uh, raw. We had like hundred and eighty maybe, and equipped was sixty five. Oh wow! But that's still way better. Canada, if you show up, you're the only guy in your weight class. For most most equipped most equipped um, divisions, there's a couple where you show up, you're the only guy. Sometimes, yeah, yeah maybe maybe a couple other dudes, but it is not. But the, but there's factors involved in that. Is that the the social media wise? I believe that the the raw just suits more. Like some people have a hard time pun intended. There, no, people have a hard time relating to the equip with never doing it. You can see somebody who's. In a shorts and t-shirt, go out and hit a five or six hundred pound squat. But when they see somebody in the suit, it's it's hard to relate to that because they don't know what they're what that all does. Or the first thing is is they give say it's an excuse of why they can do so much, mm-hmm. not that they're running or using the gear. But uh, yeah, it's 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 it doesn't really surprise me that it's outgoing from raw to well it's just that um well it's, it's, some it's, section here historically been so geared it, it is that's the only option it is but the, but it's 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 an expensive more expensive hobby to get into i mean yeah, yeah you, you gotta buy the gear you gotta have all that and it's like you it's like he said is that it, shell said is that it gets 
shitty to wear sometimes, like training and that stuff. So you you can't do it alone. No, and you you, you need a team, basically a team of people to get you in and out of the fucking. Here's another situation. If you go up a weight class, that's also a financial decision. You like, I got to yeah. replace everything now, <laughs> right? You're like it's a it's a whole another situation. Yeah, it's it's a, it definitely could be a game changer. Yeah, it's not that I'm taking away from the gear users. I'm just saying that for the average person walking out there, I mean, Shell, how much does it cost for a setup? Would you say? For all your gear, do you know how much it would cost? All my gear. Mm. Uh, now I'm now that I'm sponsored by Titan. I don't know what uh, the thing oh, costs. The, but, the pleasures. Uh, yeah, that's right. But. But uh, if you're having like a super katana shirts, and they, I don't know what it's what's in what's it in, in dollars, but be a few hundred, it, I'm thinking. Yeah, probably. And that's a shirt. But it's like, but it's like you you need to have it. It's like yeah. in every other sports, you also it's it's uh, expensive. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like hockey. I'm just like I'm not going to lose to Oleg because I didn't I, don't, I didn't want to buy. Uh, a good enough shirt. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's it's expensive, but it's not that expensive. If you can use the shirt for like one or two years, maybe it's not that bad. Yeah, I guess you're right. If you're gonna play hockey, you, you're dropping money on gear. You're gonna play football, American football. You're gonna like you know the sports sometimes have expenses. Um, yeah. How about the social media change you've seen since then? Because it's become an absolutely massive factor. Are you? Do you yourself? Are you like trying to get into the social media and try to keep up? Or are you like, look it, I'm not even worried about it. I'll let these other guys do it. But do you actually follow your competition and pay attention as well, though? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm done that for many years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't do it in 2009, 10, 11 because there, there were only Russian competitors. And you, have, and you can't find them. They yeah. don't have Facebook. They don't have no. mail. They don't have a phone. They're just playing <laughs> in Russia. It's like impossible to get it so it's so much easier now yeah now are even russians on instagram it's insane it's yeah it's 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 weird that there are some sections where they you can't find them or they don't yeah. post they like even so like the biggest dudes don't post sometimes and they, they do you post a lot like if you're in prep for a big competition are you gonna hold back some of your lifts so the other guy doesn't know i don't know yet uh I just need to, to see how much shape is first. If it's really good, maybe I will hold something back. Yeah. If it's too good, it's like a secret. Yeah, yeah. if it's too good, yeah. It's just too good. I don't want him to see it coming. I want him to see it get loaded on the scorecard. And he's like, oh, oh what the shit? Um, but given that, one of the things that is good, so every sport, to create interest, you need rivalries. You need people to care. If I don't care, I don't like. I'm a big uh, UFC fan, MMA, and um, or and boxing fan as well. And everyone cares more when there's a rivalry, even even like tennis. I wasn't big into tennis, but when Pete Sampras played Andre Agassi, if it was on TV, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this because you know you know the rivalries. And with powerlifting, we have we're, we're not really on TV. You know, we don't have these kind of mainstream media. But one thing we do got on lock is social media. And some people have used it to draw interest. It's been a good tool to draw interest. We do preview shows um, leading into the big competitions and whatnot. And um, you've gotten yourself into, into a couple of rivalries that have helped draw attention. One of them was with uh, Deadlift Panda. I think you had even posted something 
uh, because you hold the world record in 83. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you make a post giving a shout-out to Deadlift Panda? Calling him out, saying, come and get it. Basically, come and take this record. Uh, did I wrote that? Maybe I did. Something. <laughs> it was something to the effect. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, the, the, the big problem with like uh, people like the Lift Panda is that he he need to beat Russell to get there to yeah. take a record. Yeah, yeah. He Ru- Russell's like your bodyguard for that record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, but there's so there's so many people now that yeah. can take that record. It's, it's crazy. Like when when I took that record. I weighed like 76. Which is nuts. Uh, at, uh, at the Arnold's uh, Europe. Yeah. So, so um, I think that someone will take it soon. It's, it's, it's insane how quickly, and there's another thing, um, the sport has progressed with talent pool. Like yeah. initially, before we had the reach of the social media, we only had so much talent pool because, I mean, it would be tough to find powerlifting. And then if you found it to get interested in it. But now, our reach is so big. We reach so many people. The talent pool is swollen. And it's easy to find somebody like a Russell Orhe and be like, you know, he's young, good-looking dude, got a million-dollar smile, body jacked up like a superhero. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I want to be like Russell Orhe. Like, you know, I want to, like, that guy, is that, that's, that's what I want to be, super strong and whatever. And then all of a sudden people start getting into powerlifting. And that's how, uh, so the talent pool is swollen. And as a result, it feels like every single year, you know, have you found like, cause you've, you started, you were competitive before and you've maintained it, but have you felt it's getting harder and harder? Like it's just like these, some of these freaks are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Again, yeah, it's, true. it's actually true. Uh, yeah, it, it's getting harder. Uh, like on the equipped, the same guys, uh, who were there five, ten years ago, they're still there. Like people like Oleg, he will oh. never quit. <laughs> he's been but, there uh, since, he's, been, but, he's always been there, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's always been there. But with Raw, there's there's a lot of people all the time. Uh, now, like Taylor, who was like, his first meet was in 2014 or something. Yeah. And we had, uh, what's the other guy's name? He also have a good deadlift. He lifted against Taylor at uh, the Nationals now. Uh, Turkey. Oh, Blake? Lee Yeah, Blake. Yeah. yeah. He's also a good lifter. We have, we have a guy, guy from Japan. We, yeah. so we have a lot of good lifters now. And, and the, the Japanese do amazing squatter. Um, yeah. yeah, man. It's, it's crazy how quickly, you know, people come out. Like, for instance, um, I remember in Belarus, um, Daniel, Daniela Mello won yeah. the 84 kilo. And I was a commentator, and I said, you know, Daniela Mello, she was like 19 at the time. And I remember thinking, she's in the Open, winning the Open so dominantly. I, I was like, I can't, if this is the Daniela Mello era, I can't envision anybody taking her for years. If she's 19, winning the Open like this, my God, she's going to be the 84 kilo champion forever. And then two years later, Amanda Lawrence comes around. And it looks like she could squat 600 pounds if she has a good day. You know, it's... it's, yeah, it's I remember. It's, uh, it's, it's like, what the hell is going... This was just two years ago. Right? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like uh, walking with my dog and watched that uh, King of the Lifts podcast. And then you guys uh, talked about Amanda. I was like, what the fuck? We have more people that actually can beat her? And it was like, what? I've never heard of her. And now, of course, yeah. 
almost six hundred pounds. It's yeah, it's yeah. You never heard, you never heard of her. Now you can't forget her. You're like, yeah, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's scary. It's um, yeah, it's just moving so quickly. Um, and having said that, at the at the Minx Belarus, um, did you know heading in there because you had won and you had to go head to head with Taylor Atwood? Did you know what he was coming with, and that he would be a chief rival of yours? Yeah, uh, I saw uh, his other competitions in 15 or 16 or something. So I watched that a lot. I do that with all my competitors uh, to see what they can do. Um, But I didn't really train that good to the competition because my motivations has been bad since 2016, maybe. I haven't really trained that well. So I just did my best at the day. And I was hoping for uh, the best from Taylor as well. Uh, but that day, I was the best. That's, yeah. <laughs> so you, you said you weren't training. Were you dealing with injuries? Uh, not really injuries. It's just like when, when, when you're winning the world championship, it's like it's kind of hard to maintain uh, motivation just like ah, what yeah, yeah yeah motivation for 10 years is hard to do the enthusiasm well you're going in training raw and equipped going in day after day after it's hard sometimes has it, it being being in there for so long does it get tough to keep finding that motivation when you've been doing it for over 10 years and you've been all over the world and you've seen it all you've seen from when nobody's watching when you had to refresh a scorecard <laughs> to yeah. to the live streams is it and and you've you've you know so many showdowns. Your rivals from when you first started are now long gone, and you've yeah. seen a new generation come. And you know what? With how quickly our sport turns over, you probably even saw another generation again after that. Is it tough to keep firing yourself up over and over to keep climbing that mountain? I mean, you're only thirty. Like you're a, yeah. you're a pretty young guy. You got another <laughs> yeah. ten years before you're a master. Yeah, I do twenty more years. Yeah, so yeah. is it tough though? Like, how do you find your motivation to keep it going? It was really tough. Uh, it it really was. But I think the things that changed for me were the the world's equipped uh, last year when Oleg uh, beated me. That was like I really needed that. I really needed to lose, I, just to feel that I can't train this bad. And still winning. Well, That's like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's got to help too with people like Taylor who just call you straight out and say that it's the competition, right? Like, it's, it's got to be a little bit motivational for you because, I mean, you know you're in that, that top elite, but for someone to just say the challenge is there, like, I, but he, he wants that challenge. He wants that go to war. And yeah, how does, it thing. Fe- how, does, how, does that, how does it feel to be like, um, because you are a big name. Like, you've won the worlds in a quit. You won the worlds raw. Um, and you had the big showdowns, and to hear like Taylor when he was on the show, like want that, want that showdown, and it means a lot to him to have a rivalry because when all is said and done, event like you'll be known off your sports rivalries. Jordan needed Bird, Ali needs Joe Frazier, Pete Sampras needs Andre Agassi. Like if you don't have that person um, to push you, and when people yeah. are like who did you ever beat? Who did you ever go against? And and if you don't, if you can't, you, you're like, uh, have you heard of this guy? Like, but people know Taylor Atwood. People know who you are. Um, does it help you having a guy like Taylor? 
I don't, I don't know. Before you, Inolik? before you answer that though, I'm, I will say this. I don't know because in sports, if I was that guy and they said who was your rival, and I just went, there really fucking wasn't any. I would love to be able to say that through my whole career. <laughs> it's <laughs> well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're Mike Tyson, you can say that, and it doesn't matter. But if you're in a sport where people don't know about it, it's you. you it's hard to tell uh, a story. It's I hard to tell a story. I understand. I'm just making. Yeah, it yeah. Ah, oh, you'd be yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I had my rivals, but you don't know them anymore because they quit like six years ago or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's like they're low gone. But yeah, I, I really need someone like Taylor. Or if I went up in '83, I needed someone like Brett Russell. <laughs> it's like I, I need those people to get motivated. So I think it's. <laughs> I was listening to the last podcast with Taylor mm. and he was like saying he was so angry because I didn't come to the worlds in, in Canada. Yeah. But I, I remember when I uh, decided not to go, I was training uh, at the Olympic center when I um, uh, used to train and I hadn't, uh, I couldn't bench anything for maybe the last four or five months. I couldn't really do anything. And it's like, Am I really wanting to go injured yeah. and come there and lose just just to be there for him <laughs> yeah. to beat me? Yeah. It's like, what's is is it is it that fun to beat someone that you can't lift his best? Yeah. I'm like, if I'm coming to, uh, or I'm coming to world next year or this year, and I really hope that Taylor is at his best shape as possible. Because you will be, right? I will be. Yeah. Yeah. After after I got beaten by Oleg, my training has like been so different. It's like I remember when you're saying on the podcast you went through the European, and it's like yeah, and Shell did seven fifteen kilos. Yeah, okay, he's far behind the Taylor, and I was like okay, it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm off the books now. I'm the that, underdog. Okay, that's, that's right. And do you feel like um, does that help? So some people I've talked to some people about this. Would you prefer to be the favorite and you feel confident like I should win and then the stress and anxiety goes down because you feel like you should win or is it better to be the underdog so the put the pressure on Taylor, put the pressure on Oleg, put it on him, let him carry that and you guys look that way and now you, you're motivated and there's no expectations now. Or, well, there's expectations but it's more on him. It's, does that help being the underdog do you feel like? It doesn't matter really. No, uh, okay. no, it doesn't matter. Uh, I I know from so many years that when it really uh, is important, I will get it. It's like when I was lifting in uh, we have Norwegian Worlds in 2013, yeah. and one of my teammates was like, "Okay, now we're going to see it, uh, look at the camera and see, come here and see me take gold in like two hours." That was like before the meet. I was like, okay, that's not that's not me, but okay, I will say it anyway. Uh, and okay, that's that's not really how I handle myself. <laughs> and it's like, and I also did it in uh, worlds uh, equipped this year. I was like, I'm not the best squatter. I know that uh, bench was like far off, but deadlift is yeah, that's my exercise. Yeah. And, I was, so I pulled three, three, three oh seven in the first deadlift. Yeah. Uh, and went for three twenty two point five and missed it for, uh, on lockout. 
Uh, and then there was the third lift. I needed that to get uh, the world record in deadlift and the third place by a half kilo. So I really needed that lift. And I was thinking like, okay, if I'm not getting it, I got a third place in the deadlift after all. Uh, I saw that after the meet, if I didn't do it, I didn't get any. I get four, four places. I was like, okay, this is important. Yeah. It's... yeah. Then I, and I pulled it. it it's like... During it, do you want to know that? Do you want to know that you're gambling everything? Or are you just yeah. like, load the bar, bro? Don't tell me. No, I always want to know. I always want to know. Oh, is that yeah. right? Yeah, I'm watching every numbers. Oh. Every time. I'm on, on every decision. Oh, wow. Because nobody knows me better than me. Yeah, no, that's true. And if it's a tough decision to make, you want to be the one to pull that trigger and make that decision. Yeah, 100%. There are some people who are like, I don't want to know, load the bar because it'll get in my head. You know, if it's, if it's a weight that's like way over their potential and they're like, I just load the bar, man. I don't, don't, you don't need to necessarily tell me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you like, you don't, you don't mind taking on a little bit of pressure then. No, I like pressure. Pressure makes me good. Do you feel like, have you seen sometimes where pressure might backfire in some people? Like other people, maybe not as, because you got experience and that's something that, Having been around since 2007, you would have because you, you've seen it all. You know, you've seen, you've seen the hype and, the, and people show up. You've seen when there's no hype and someone surprises you. You know, you've, you've been around the block enough times where you're calm enough in all the amount of European championships, world championships you had. But if you've seen somebody show up, because I know, I'm not going to name names, but um, I've seen enough competitions both at the national level and the world level commentating all the different sessions where somebody's too caught up in numbers and if they miss a lift they'll still load the bar with their projected next one or you know they regain their opener and they're still hanging tough on what they were going to take for the third and it becomes a whole nother gamble and um instead of lowering the third a little getting it and staying in the hunt you go all in you know you can you can or or, or just like gassing out on deads look at drop your dead a little you get you use more energy than you think on the bench and squat, and they're so romantically attached to certain numbers, they're not changing it the day of, and um, and and it affects the total when they're trying to build a total. Like, have you seen that with some younger guys, and you're like, hmm, I think I could push them. Yeah, I see them with the younger guys. I see it with the older guys. Like, there, there's a lot of people that is not that strong in their heads. You can just see it when you're uh, backed. Uh, behind the platform, just watching people. It's like, people are really having a hard time. Yeah. But, but I, I remember walking around on the Worlds 17, I saw everyone was so nervous, I saw Taylor was nervous, and I was like, this is this is the place I wanting to be. I want to be in this, I want to have the pressure, I, I want that people are nervous. I'm nervous too, but it's, the, it's because uh, I'm nervous, I lift that well at the competitions. That, that that nervous energy, the yeah. anxiety creates energy as well. You yeah. know, having a little anxiety, a little angst will help you lift. Well, well, as time went on too, I mean, the difference is, is that when you used to lift is that you would go out there and there was three people in the crowd compared to, you know, a couple hundred or a yeah. thousand, you know, or watching you. Or you know that the cameras are on you or whatever else. I mean, literally, you would walk out and there was maybe double the amount of judges there as that would be the people more, watching. More than any of that live. Okay. But Plus, that's the problem with being a light lifter because when you have light lifter 
the, the only people who is watching is the people that already have been lifting. Yeah. So at the Belarus yes. world, so it was like I went out for my first deadlift. It was a world record attempt, and I was like, I can almost hearing a guy got an SMS. It's like they were so <laughs> quiet. It's like this. So I, I I don't get that from lifting on worlds because it's too early in the competition. Yeah. And it's yeah, true. It's true if for I, you. If I lifted at the Arnold, at the Arnold's Pro American, oh my god. Yeah. I will just say. Take out a thousand pounds, I will make it. Yeah, yeah. No, it is true. There's there is zero hype. Like you could you could hear a guy eating a sandwich. You know, it's it's <laughs> it, there's no not live. But what they do have, and you can't feel it live, but what they do have now, literally like when we ran the numbers, the reach for the social media, like the streaming, is in the millions. Um yeah. like it's it's some people take clips of just the 83 kilo people and share it. Someone took a clip, 2016, John Hack versus Brett Gibbs, and shared it, and it was at, like, almost a million views, just that clip. Just just a little highlight video of those two. And let alone how many other people did that, let alone the actual IPF viewing and live stream, like, a million people could watch you. But, um, but when you're there live... And there's like four or five people in front of you. Yeah, it's like you don't. It, it doesn't help. It's not there. You yeah, know you... that there's a million people who, who is watching. Or yeah, thousands. you don't know. It's like I was lifting at the Europeans uh, Raw in the end of the year. And I was like going out for my first deadlift. And I really had some problems with my back at that meet. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay, I'm strong. I can do this. And then I can hear uh, the people who is commentating. It's like. This is gonna be so easy. Look at this, and it's like it's so heavy. It's like they were. I, I hear this like, whoa, that was a really hard lift. Like, okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that. You, you hear everything. Yeah. You're like, all right, shit, man. <laughs> you talk. It's like it's like you're narrating in my fucking head. Like, just God damn it! It didn't, it didn't help. It it's like, like you're okay, walking. Yeah, I'm weak. Like you're walking out on the platform and you hear the commentator. I don't know. He looks nervous. I don't know. It's like, it's like he, I, I don't think he will make this. Yeah, you're, you're, like, you're like you're like the guy's like he had a really tough second. I don't think he's got the third in him. And you're like, okay, well, fuck, man. Could we? And it, and it, and it didn't look deep either. So he I don't said, think he'll take this. He says that I don't think they're gonna. Pa- that didn't look deep to me. I'm, I'm wondering what the judges think. Well, they can hear you, asshole. <laughs> right? You're swaying their opinion. Yeah, it is. It's a whole different ball game for sure. Um, I'm wondering what. I think Sweden will have some big worlds though, yeah, because they're yeah, dumping money into this. Money. I believe, yeah. like uh, the Swedish government, um, is in general is far more left in terms of providing money. But I know. Um, I think Sweden, I think the world's is the budget's going to be really nice. So I think the, like what the venue looks like is going to, I remember 2015, um, was like a beautiful setup and people hold that as like almost like the gold standard for what a world's can look like. And our viewership's gone nothing but up since then. Sponsors, nothing but up since then. And I'm, the expectations, I think Sweden's going to be a really good world's. And I think... They'll actually have some. I think they'll actually have people show up from the public to watch. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it will be different when in Sweden. Power thing is really big in Sweden, so yeah. Yeah, they're, they're well. They they like fly their people. Remember we had Gustav Hedlund on here. 
And didn't he say they actually like, fly people in and meet up at least a couple times a year? Him and Isabella were both saying that. Yeah. And they're like they're they're very well like yeah sweet like powerlifting is very well supported. I think Isabella had like a pretty mainstream sponsors over there as well. Um, so I'm it's always the same. Oh, is it really? You yes, guys... since two thousand and nine, since I got on the national team, uh, if you live like really north in the country, they will fly you down two times a year. Wow. Uh, if I'm going to Worlds, I don't need to pay one cent. Whoa! Is that the government? Yeah. Oh damn! That is so, nice. So when Taylor said last time that he he wanted to to buy a ticket to me because I didn't have afford it, it's like you should have it took it. That. You should <laughs> take it. You should be yeah, sure. Double yeah. up, double the up on your money. The government is paying for me, so it's there's no problem. No, no, you should have took his money and be like, yeah, you're buying cocktails. That's all. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're maybe. buying dinner and like you're coming in as an eighty three if you're not careful. You got a budget yeah. now. Yeah, man, that's uh, wow, that's pretty good. That is nice to hear that. Um, you could be supported like that though by the government. And is there like sponsors? Like, does uh, do like companies sponsor well in Norway powerlifters at all? We have some. Uh, I have some. I have like Titan. Uh, yeah, that's a good sponsor for me. And uh, I also have uh, someone called Smakfull Storkjøkken. They gave me meat. They gave so you what? Sorry, I, meat. Meat. Yeah. So if I wanted steak, beef, or everything, they will give me. Like whatever you want. Damn, that's like... That's how we went from 40 to 80 kilos. <laughs> Free meat. <laughs> Man, no, but no lie. I know my grocery bill. If someone said, here's groceries, I'd be like, are you kidding me? That's like when Kramer made that deal, Coffee for Life. Yeah. And he shook the hand from Seinfeld. You might be too young, my man. You're only 30. But, um, but yeah. Hey, that's a hell of a deal, my friend. See, we don't have... One thing uh, powerlifting doesn't have yet is mainstream sponsors enough. We have like... You know, SBD and Titan, etc. But um, when we start breaking into more mainstream, like like Gatorade, you know, something like that. Now we're talking money, and we're not yeah. there yet. And it's also if we win the um, if we win the worlds or do great at the worlds or Europeans, we will get eight thousand dollars from the government. What eight G's? Damn! Does anyone else do that? I've never heard of that. Eight thousand's <laughs> yeah. no joke. So, what? That's eight thousand euros then. No, I just uh, converted it. It's in, uh, in in dollars. How much is that U.S. Do you know? Yeah, that's U.S. Eight thousand U.S. dollars. <laughs> wow, damn, that's not bad. Europeans as well, frig. <laughs> yeah. we, get, we, get a, so, we get a snowball here yeah you get nothing <laughs> snow cone you might be in the local paper holy smokes that's not half bad my friend um, that's are, are there are other European nations like that I bet you Russia probably is yeah I think Russians are getting paid if they're doing good and uh, when I mean good is gold medal yeah <laughs> yeah second is not good enough I think oh it's right. like all or nothing America, right I remember like like 10 years ago if someone didn't win you didn't see them again what the <laughs> I don't know if they got what the what happens, what? It's like you didn't win your app he's not, he's not okay. Oh, okay 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 I thought you meant they fucking off them <laughs> I, I don't know I haven't seen them this is before social media he, so maybe yeah. maybe he, he likes to think they just went off the team but nobody's ever saw them <laughs> yes. again 
<laughs> You're like, there's some motivation for you, my friend. It's gold, yeah. 8K, or... Six feet under. Or six feet under. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good yeah. luck. You're, you're like, let's, yeah. let's see how well you do under that pressure. Like, it's like, Shale, this is how much you have to deadlift to win. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? Load the bar, my friend. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. We're pulling for my, my wife and kids back home. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I think the government is paying for, uh, for them. Well, I the think word- it is. If, if you win, it's your family get paid. Uh, I, I don't know if it's like this. I think it's like this in the weightlifting. Or I don't know if it's like that in powerlifting. With weightlifting, I know for a fact there's, there, there can be heavy money involved. Like, for instance, uh, Razadzadeh, the Iranian Hercules, um, I think another nation offered him $10 million to leave Iran, which is, you know, be careful with that, but to, go, to join their country on their weightlifting team. And he turned it down. Now, when I yeah. ran, the guy is a household name and he's a god, probably is a palace and gets treated very well. So he yeah. said, no, thank you. But, um, but 10 million, like that's the type of money that they would, they, they would do to get a guy. So yes, yeah, some for Olympic weightlifting, some nations, and, you know, different sports in general, some nations will drop some big coin. Like it can be, it yeah. can produce some, some money. And for the Americans, depending on the sport, if it's like gymnastics, you're on the cover of Weedy Boxes. You're like, they have, I remember in an Olympic year going down to the U.S. and walking their grocery store. And they had like life-size cutouts of the entire gymnastics team, all the women's. And they were like, like they're, they're like household names. And then from there on out, sponsorships, mainstream sponsors, whatnot, like you said. But um, yeah, that's a whole nother ball game. We're not there yet. <laughs> no, not yet. We're not there yet. So who are you, what are you anticipating? So when you're going into these worlds... You got Taylor Atwood. Um, we got our friend from Japan who I'm expecting as well. Is there, is there anybody else on the radar? Because you said you've done, you you usually like to do your research. Is there someone that you're anticipating may show up, may give you problems? Uh, it's it's kind of hard to say yet because I don't think the list is out yet. But no. if Blake is coming, he's, uh, he's a good competitor. Yeah. Uh, let's see if it's out. I don't think the only people I saw in there was the Egyptian team. I don't think anyone okay. else has it in yet. Nah, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else. I think this Taylor is... Mostly Taylor? They have to... Yeah. And is there, is there anybody... Is there, what, what are the weight classes are you watching um, that you're interested in seeing? Mm, I see a lot of weight classes. Uh... If we start with the men, uh, I like to see the, the 74, of course, uh, 83, yeah. uh, 93, not that much, 105, sometimes maybe. Really? Because uh, they, they had a hell of a show last year. Yeah, yeah, with Bryce. Yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not 120 that much either, but uh, I see the heavyweights. Yeah, but big rate. Yeah. Who are you expecting to win um, 83s and 93s? Uh, 83, I, I really think that Brett will take it again. It really depends on if Russ, Russ can uh, keep going yeah. in his current shape. Uh, but I don't know what shape Brett is in these days. He's a bit... He has been really quiet on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he does post, it's a random fuck me. 
Like, it, yeah, he's yeah. got a couple of random <laughs> fuck me's in there. Like, you don't, you see the spear fishing and a few other things, and all of a sudden it's a, you know, 650 pounder you, for five or something. You're like, holy fuck, where'd you, that come from? You think he's going for the training for the spear fishing world championships if you're following him. <laughs> I had to check, am I, am I following a powerlifter or a spear fisher? I, I wasn't sure yeah. if I had the right guy. But the, the thing is, uh, leading into the the last year's Worlds, he was kind of the same. Like, previously to last year's Worlds, I feel like Brett was all over social media a lot. Um, yeah. Leading into last year's Worlds in Calgary, nowhere near, nowhere near as much social media. And damned if you didn't have a phenomenal day. First 83 kilo guy to total 10 times body weight. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's starting to find his groove in terms of, Staying under the limelight, let guys, because we didn't know, we, I, no one else was talking about 10 times body weight gold. Well, it just seems like he's posting less of the, the everyday training and just more of like some big lifts or big PRs or something that he's done different or something that changed his training rather than showing the world every day what he does. He shows the world nothing. But he also, so if you're, he, him totaling exactly eight or 10 times body weight, you know Leading in, he was telling himself, if I'm having a good day, this must have been a goal. Um, I don't think it would happen after the fact. Oh, was that 10 times body weight? I, I didn't even know until after the fact. I bet you, but he kept it to himself. Like you, like previous Brett, I feel like would have bought into the hype. It would have been like, you know, oh, I'm going to be the first to do this. You know, check it out. Like just try to hype it up a little. Last year, he was like, you know, I'm coming. You know, it's going to be a battle. I'm coming. But he didn't. He didn't, like, you know, lay it all on the line and, and let people know all that. He kind of played it a little more down key. Let everybody else hype it. Let Russell hype it. Let, you know, King of the Lifts hype it. It'll be hype. He didn't need to hype it. But he didn't, you know, he could just not buy into it on his end. Stay focused and whatever happens, happens. And then and then on that day, if 10 times body weight wasn't there, well, no one expected it anyways. But if on that day you had been hyping it for three months, I'm going to be the first. To do 10 times body weight. You know, you'd be like, oh, fuck, I guess I kind of got to load the bar for 10 times. You know, it's, um, I think he's maturing. We talked about this already. Yeah. I think he's just maturing as a lifter. Knowing like, you know what? Like, I'll hype it. He'll play the game. He'll help hype. But there's there's almost like a management, you know, where you can go too far and put, you know, undue pressure on yourself and, um, and expectations. And also let people know ahead of time what you're shooting for. And then there's also uh, don't don't show all your cards. Sometimes you you leave that ace until the end, and you're like, bam! I had that the whole time, buddy. <laughs> right? I, I think you, I think you did uh, a smart thing uh, to this year and didn't talk that much. You just did the lift and came and showed that he was the best. And it's like he he don't he don't need to say he's the best. The results talk for themselves. Yeah, yeah. They that saying. You know, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. No, that's true. <laughs> right? that's that's it. true. <laughs> it's no longer opinion, it's a number. Well, that's the other thing. It's, it's, it's what Shell just said. He had nothing to hype this year because nobody has beat that total yet. Yeah. So coming into this, I mean, even if he does what he did again, if he just had the same day as last year, nobody, be, nobody has yet to hit that. It'll be interesting, um, just like Shell had said, when you got to keep getting that motivation every year, year after year, how longer does a guy like Brett be like, hey, it's you? You could uh, like I, I think he's still motivated and, and inspired, but yeah, he's getting other hobbies, he's doing other things, and after a while, it could be like, 
Nah, shit, man. You know, who knows? Who knows? You, like, it depends how many years in a row this happens until you start losing a little interest. How about yourself? I have two questions because I also want to ask you, A, how you feel about the IPF formula and the new IPF formula, which changes everything for you because um, now all of a sudden you're right up there. Like you could, you could, you win the 74s, you're probably number one or two best, best lifter of that tournament. And B, um, what do you think for your future? Do you see yourself, how many more years do you want to do this? Okay, we can, we can start with the, the IPF points. Um, it was a really good thing for me that I don't need to do 1,000 kilos to beat uh, <laughs> Ray. And I, I, I hear that many people that like weighing 100 kilos and more are like, oh, this is just garbage. And that's, and that's like, no, it's just for us who weighed 70 kilos, it's been it has been impossible to beat someone like Ray. Yeah, you you can't because if he weigh 150 kilos or 190, the wheels doesn't change. Yeah, but if I weigh 73.4 or 73.5, it really does make a difference. Yeah, and that's so, messed so, up. Yeah, so I can't go 20 kilos up and try to beat him. I would just lose wheel points. So I really I don't know if it's fair, but. It has never been fair. That's, that's, you know what? I like that. Look, I don't know if it's fair, but it's never been fair. So no. now it's just tilted in our favor. So you can. So now it's, now yeah. it's the time for the little ones. Yeah. It's like, all right, you had your time. Hey, hey, tell me it ain't fair. That's cool. But tell me when it's ever been fair. You know? Let, let's, let's spread some love. We'll talk about it in 10 years and maybe change it again. Yeah. Fair enough. And you know what? I've said this before. Guys like Ray and all the heavyweights. They don't need to get the pound-for-pound crown as well because they have the absolute crown. Ray's the guy who makes mainstream when he squats 1,000 pounds. Ray's the guy that, like, he gets enough love. He gets enough attention. He doesn't need an extra little little certificate or trophy to help him out. It's the other lifters. The pound-for-pound, it makes sense, you know, that the guy isn't necessarily the biggest. If, if, you know, so, I don't know. I don't think, I think Ray and the heavyweights are cool with it. Where they can walk around and be like, look, I'm, I'm the strongest guy in the world. Period. Yeah. You yeah. know, so. He, he, he has that. Yeah, you have that. <laughs> yeah. You're the strongest man in the world, man. <laughs> Relax. So, you know? I, I think, like, I don't, I don't know if he thinks about the points. I think he yeah, have lifted for it for some years. If he, if he, uh, if he lifts at the Worlds, of course he's trying to take the overall. But I, I don't think. Uh, he is not motivated anymore because of because of that. Yeah. But for, yeah. I remember lifting at uh, the Worlds in Belarus, and I was on second place, I think. But then the heavyweights came, and it was fourth place. Or, or fifth. <laughs> it's like wow. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, fuck the the number fifth heavyweight just knocked me down. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you were and, and, you, like, and you were you number believe. you were number two to Sergey at that time, probably right. Uh, was it Sergey? There was, yeah, I think it was Sergey. It's always Sergey. It's, it was always, it's always Sergey. Yeah, I was, I was like looking day to day, and I saw. I think I was beating the the Polish guy and the, the uh, what's his name, the deadlifter, uh, one hundred and five. Uh, yeah, for Becky. Yeah, I, I think I think I was over him, and I was like, okay, now. Now I can get top three, and then the heavyweights came. 
Yeah. That was then, yeah, over and out. Then the heavyweights come, and yeah, you get knocked from two to twenty-seven. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but um, it, how about um, how many more years do you think? It's tough to answer because we're coming up on the worlds. Um, this world is going to be great. It's another like a, another showdown with Taylor. You got a lot of good lifters, so you're probably super motivated right now. So it's hard to picture. But Ryan's only asking because he's wanting to go to seventy four, so he's just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> This is a personal question. Yeah, yeah personal question. So we'll, we'll need a time and date on this. Yeah, time and date. And I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to hold yeah, you yeah, to this. We're sending okay. this to the IPF right now. That's, that's right. Now. It's an official document right now. No, but like um, when you think about this, like how many years in a row do you want to climb this mountain? Or, or do you ever think – because you're only 30 despite being doing this forever. Um, do you, or, or are you just like, you know what? I like it and I'll, I'll do this until – I'm going to be like David Ricks. I'll be 60, and these young boys better watch themselves. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to do this for many more years. Yeah. Uh, I had like my years now that I wasn't that motivated, so I did focus on uh, other things in life, like getting a job, getting a girlfriend, things like that. So now that I have all that, I can focus on getting strong again. So I set a goal for like two or three years ago, that I will take 10 world titles. Woo-wee! You got two, right? Are you at two now? Yeah, yeah. Two two uh, for the seniors and one on the juniors. But the juniors don't count. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know don't count at all, but okay. Uh, yeah, but I want, I want 10 open titles. Wow. So, okay. So, you, so I would take that as you're highly motivated. That's, that's not and a small goal. Of course, I want to beat Taylor. Uh... But I also want to beat Oleg. That would be like... Oh, uh, you want to be the guy to end the dynasty? Yeah. That is... He's the... been good for so many years. I 18? This, yeah. He... I came to this uh, competition in Sweden at the Worlds. And he scored like... What was it? 50 kilos more than me. And still it was only... I was only 20 kilos behind him. For the gold total. So if it... I'm training good... And for anyone listening, 20 kilo when you're equipped, and the equipped totals are even bigger. Like, Look, classic totals are huge. The equipped totals, you can add 100 kilo on there. So 20 kilo is nothing. For equipped, equipped, 20 kilo is nothing. You guys are neck and neck. Here, the guy who fought, that's the biggest dynasty in powerlifting history. It's um, ridiculous to think 18 years straight. The man who, who breaks that dynasty... The man who defeats Oleg, that, that's, that's probably the biggest feather in your cap cavity you can have. That will be the biggest yeah. win period in the sport. Yeah, that, that will be, that's like my biggest goal to beat him. It's like, he's an incredible lifter, been lifting for so many years. Uh, and I know that when I was lifting in 83, I benched 261. Now that I'm in 74, I benched 215. So I just need a good shirt, yeah. and then I will. I'm like I'm stronger now than I was in '83, without equipment. So I just need to figure this out, and then, yeah, I I think that worlds this year is going to be crazy. But having said that, my friend, if you do that, don't ever stop off for a beer in Poland for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> you listen. I will get you, killed. Listen, listen, you don't even take a fucking flight if there's a turnover in Poland. Do you understand me? 
You just direct flights right over Poland, buddy. You don't stop for nothing. Your car breaks. <laughs> your car breaks down in Poland. You're in trouble. You're gonna get. Yeah. You're gonna get buried with all them Russian lifters. You. Watch. That's right. You, <laughs> yeah. you. You watch yourself. You watch yourself. Um, one question we always ask everybody who comes on the show, and thank you very much for coming on the show. By the way, um, this is a great episode. We got to have you back on again. Uh, maybe you know, maybe leading into the the equipped world championships. But one question we always ask somebody, and we're kind of hitting on that right now. But um, when all is said and done, you're a young guy, thirty years old. Let's fast forward to when you're sixty five years old and you're done lifting, and you look back. When people remember you, how do you want to be remembered? I was the guy that uh, took Oleg down, and I was the guy that. Uh, did Taylor go up to the 83? Wow, hey! <laughs> I tell you what, those are two huge scalps, my friend. Um, I think Taylor does want to go at 83, but you know he wants... Yeah, I mean, this is a good showdown. This is this is like sports need these rivalries. You know, you're two yeah. good guys. Here's one thing that helps. You're both wicked in interviews. You know, these are both good podcasts and episodes. So people will actually root you know, like I'm team, you know, team Norway, team US, and, and people pick sides and start rooting for people. So um, it makes the viewership for the sport a hundred times better. I'm glad you came on. As a commentator, it helps me add to the storyline of dialogue while I'm commentating. And for everybody watching, you know, to, to act, you get to know somebody, it's easier to root for them. When, when you don't know them and you don't get that piece of personality, it's harder, you know? Yeah, you're, and, the, you're the Russian guy then. What's that? Nobody knows, so... Yeah, you're the Russian guy again then. That's that, nobody knows of. That's right. That's exactly yeah. it. It becomes, yeah, yeah, another Eastern European, hard to say the name. People don't know the background. And you're like, that's it. They're just like, whatever. Whereas, that's why I warn you on the podcast, have as many people on as possible. Let them have their stories and people know. Because everyone's got so many different backgrounds and stories and yeah. upbringings. And and I also think that people think that... Uh, Taylor will win this easy because he did like 775 or 780 or something. Yeah. And I did 715 at my last meet. But what? In 2017, I did uh, 772.5. No, 773. 773. Yeah, 773. And it's like, it's it's not that much kilo. No, that, so that's what I was telling Randy. Um, we are talking about it because like, Taylor's had some big totals, no doubt about it. But yeah. You're right in that not everybody knows because we looked this, we pulled up uh, your sheets before we had you on, right? And some of these performances that were like in the Europeans, and I want to do more previews for the European shows, for the European yeah. championships. I want to do more pre recaps of the Europeans. We did this year, but I want to do more in depth. And um, so people know a little more of the European lifters because some of these performances, like you just said, someone fly under the radar. Some people don't know, and they should know. You know, you get a little more of a preview for the world for these showdowns, but you're absolutely right. Look, two years ago, 773, is it is it weird to say you could add 10 kilo on that total and you'd be right up there with Taylor's best ever uh, 783? No, I mean, that's 10 kilo in two years is like you guys could be neck and neck. So it is a good showdown and it is it is going to come down right down to the last dead. And you do have a monster dead if it comes down to the last deadlift. Sometimes it comes down to, who picks the best? If you, if he, you or him or any of you guys, because the Japanese lifter, um, I'm, I don't want to butcher his name, but all you guys, if you just go two and a half kilo too much or a chip too much, whatever, and you teeter over, miss your third, 
It's your second lift that goes towards your total. So it's it's not even always the strongest guy. I, I mean, not to be cliche, but it's true. Sometimes it's all about picking right up to the line of your limit, but staying in it. And pushing yeah. the other person past hers. While still being able to push the other guy. And, um, and people who don't who haven't lifted at these comp- like high-level competitions, when you're just on the local level, you're just chasing PBs, personal best, just shoot for a personal best. But when you go up and it's that tight, it's a diff- you almost, it's not even about personal best. It's just like, I need to hit my biggest lift on that day without tip- tipping over. And it's yeah. so dicey because you fly so but close to the sun. It's one of those things, too, that I think powerlifting in general misses out on is what goes behind the scenes. Like, what you don't see is the handlers or coaches running around with attempts trying to fucking change things last minute, trying to do those things. Those are things that the TV doesn't grasp. And right? watching. watching, And, and, and it's a, a big part of that that I think would add some excitement to it is showing people trying to, you know, you can't give away what's happening, but showing people running around, trying to make attempt changes, yeah. trying to change things we, last we, minute. As a commentator, I try to say, like, Pay attention, um, you know, Becklin might be changing his last deadlift, you know, like you've got two changes and what's some, we try to explain the strategy, but, uh, but you're right, man, it, day of, fuck, we see totals drop 20 kilo, we see some of them huge jump up, like it's, this is, it's, it's, look at Brett, one year 795 and loses to a guy who did 795, the next year 830. You know, like it's it, this is this is sports, my friend. So uh, this is what, that's why it's got to be close like this. Like you and Taylor, it, it you guys need each other. It's good. You know, when yeah. all is said and done, when you look back, it's good. You know, you guys have this. You know, you push each other, and for everyone watching, you know, it's uh, it makes it memorable. It makes us care as a fan. I care now. Hey, before uh, before we end the show, though, just because you know you wanted to say your piece, is there anything you want to say to Taylor before you? Uh... Sign off on this one. Hmm. What will I tell it? Um, just uh, hoping that it's training good and uh, getting ready for this worlds. This year's I will come, so we don't have to be angry anymore. He will get his chance. Yeah. And yeah, let's see who's the best. That's it. When it when, when it matters. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Well said, my friend. Anybody you want to thank before we let you go, sir? Uh, I want to thank my girlfriend, Marta, who is always uh, making food for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I also thank Titan for always being there for me. Uh, And my coach, uh, Jacob. I think he will be the big reason for me to doing a really good Wills this year. And for anybody listening, um, when we post uh, the poster on here, we're going to have his Instagram on there, so if you guys want to follow him, uh, this is one of the big showdowns for the World Championships, so give him a listen, watch his road to the World Championships 2019 unfold, and uh, is there any other social media or anything people should get a hold of you, or, or any kind of coaching that you do that you want to show, shout out there as well? Yeah, I do coaching, so just go on my uh, Instagram, Chelbrell, and just, yeah, send me a DM. There we go. There it is, my friend. Listen, thank you very much for coming on. Much appreciated. Um, this was this was a good episode, man. I'm glad we had you on. Uh, good luck in training. Um, when you see me, say hi in Sweden, and maybe we'll have a cocktail or two, my friend. Yeah, that's okay. Sounds good. See you later. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Yeah, I'm glad we had him on because Taylor. <clears throat> 
we all know Taylor. And Taylor's got a great personality himself. Like, both these guys, you know, shit. After meeting him, here's the thing. The more people you meet, it's hard to root against. Well, you know, like, you get, like, he's a good guy just like Taylor. He's a good guy. And the things, I mean, if you don't know, like I said, I personally didn't know him that well. I didn't know until we got yeah, him on here. And, and we, on a personal we, level, no. We didn't know a lot of research on him. We had to do some to find it because he just wasn't, you know couple of the big events that happened like he wasn't there or whatever else and as we were going on this we missed him you know and that happens with some lifters but when when you hear someone talk I mean 12 fucking years in the, in the game man that's 12 years like that's that's probably 98% of the people in powerlifting have been around 12 years yeah. so and when he's <laughs> his stories like his it just what he has to say and he's calm he's relaxed but he also understands what we keep saying is a rivalry. And like he said, coming through best because he is. Yeah. And I love that. I love hearing that. Coming yeah. through best because I am. Like, and Taylor's the same way, which yeah. makes it that much better. They're it, both like, they're both alpha males who 100% believe in themselves. And that's what makes this such a compelling showdown. Because both guys, look at both guys are world champions. Both guys have already gone head to head. Is it going to be repeat or revenge? Well, Kind of interviewing the both and whatever, and I don't know, you watch and whatever else. Taylor's a guy that will do something to do it. He's that guy that wants to be able to do it, to showboat it, to do it, to say I did it. This is a guy that's going to come in and do it because he has to do it. Like there's a difference in that that outlook. He's going to come in. It's not necessarily he's going to break the world records because he has to. He's just going to beat you. That's all he has to do. He's going to come in every time to beat you, coming at his best. And that's that's 12 years of, of knowledge right there. Yeah, I mean, I don't, what, what do you mean, like, a Taylor? I don't know, I think they're both kind of like that, no? Uh, his deadlift is, is is there for that, like, breaking records and stuff, but it, it doesn't seem to me, like, it, it just seems like... You mean chasing numbers-wise? Chasing or? numbers. Like, he's, he's, he's coming in to, to... Yeah, he doesn't have a number in mind. He gives a fuck not. He's kind of like... He's yeah, coming to win. Yeah, yeah. One of There's a difference of... He's not coming for a total. He's coming to win. Yeah. Whatever total that is, he's fine with as long as he wins. Yeah. You know, it's... um. Yeah, and you know, game day. I know Taylor probably has numbers in his head. Game day, though, uh, the, well, I mean, the Norwegian coaching staff, Norway takes power uber seriously. Yeah. Um, so does the Americans. It, you know, it's, it's one thing with the lifters, and they're a variable, but the other variable is going to be the coaching staffs. Sometimes I've seen in, the, in the, the world championships, you'll see the American team with a lifter, maybe not even as strong in certain, like if it's a juniors, masters, you know, mostly open, they're probably strong as hell, but... Um, they'll outmaneuver and outcall and outhandle with attempts. A nation with another guy who's the raw goods, but his nation's handling and coaching is nowhere near up to snuff. And they're making silly calls, and it's like, God, man, you could have had this guy in the ropes. You know, and the Americans, their coaching staff, like, well, you know, Matt Gary, yeah. he's not going to be on the coaching staff this year, but all the previous, and he's going to do like, you know, tons of scouting and whatnot. They don't make mistakes. Not, if they do, he, it's very few. He doesn't do scouting. He's CIA. That's right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got... So he pulls out his dossier and files on people. So yeah, so he's... You know, when it comes to... That's why this showdown, it's going to be such an amazing showdown because both of their coaching staff, Norway coaching staff is right up there with the Americans. They are like Dietmar, um, who, was, who was previously the, their Norwegian coaching staff head. They're so into... Their program is so deep... When it comes to powerlifting, take it so seriously. Well, I'll put it to you this way. How many powerlifting coaches are poached? Yeah. Yeah. He got poached by the you Germans. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like how, many, how many powerlifting coaches for a country get poached? They know all the rules. They know, like, they, they do the research, and no, you're not going to outgun them. So this, this showdown on many levels is intriguing. Taylor needs this because 
watching Taylor, like I'm a fan of Taylor's regardless. I want to see him hit these big lifts. But for other people who are more mainstream, if Taylor goes in there and kicks the shit out of everybody, nowhere near as exciting. Taylor, to the effect, said that himself. Taylor needs a guy like Shale to show up. Yeah, to show up. For it to be exciting so that, guess what? Everybody who's listening, you're going to want to watch this one. It's a showdown. Well, it's legit. Not only that, but when you're, if part of the, we're talking about nervous energy and stuff like that, is that it's hard to get nervous when you know you're going to smoke your competition. Yeah. So when you got a guy that's in there and you look over at him and you realize he's sitting there, you know, 12 years calm doing this shit, looking off at the stars. You're going to see the best tailor. Yeah. yeah, you're going to see a guy who, who controls that nervous energy and the both of them, they're going to use it. They're going yeah. to use that to put on the best performance they've ever put on. Yeah, that's 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 why. And 12 years in, like 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 Shell was saying, sometimes you need that nervous energy. Like yeah. he, he, he does good under pressure. He wants to go out and feel He needs Taylor. Taylor needs him. It's like he just said, his last loss. He needed it. Yeah. He needed that loss because too many years of dominant. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think both these guys know how much like if, if on Taylor's end when he was pissed off that Shale didn't didn't show at the last Worlds. It's not like because I want to beat you because I want to like hurt you. You personally, I want you to feel defeat. No, it's that because we know Taylor. Taylor's yeah. not like that. It's more that Taylor realizes, my friend, we both need each other. Like for this for this sports. You're going to push me. I'm going to push you. And people care when you show. And people care when I show. This is, this is Gibbs or he. This could easily be Brett Gibbs and Orhi again. This, the, in terms of how close these two gentlemen are, as a matter of fact, it's more. Why? Because both these guys are world champions. They are both coming in here having undefeated world champs. Since Shale won, he hasn't lost. And he beat Taylor Ford. Taylor came back and won. And obviously he hasn't lost since both undefeated world champions, there can only be one. This is an intriguing 74 kilo showdown. On the level, it should be as hyped as Orhi Gibbs. And by God, I'm going to do my best to help hype it. And I'm the commentary, the live commentary for the showdown and running king of the lifts. And they deserve it. These, these fellas deserve that shot. These two deserve it. And uh, the best part about it is, is there's still the undercard of the Japanese young man coming through. Yeah. He, he is no, by no means an undercard. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, no, he's, like, he's, he, oh, he's right neck and neck. You know what? I don't know what his English is like. I'd love to have him on. He is, man, this dude, 74 kilo, he's squatting 600 himself. Like, these, these fellas, yeah, and you, don't blink, don't have a bad day. You know, don't catch an injury. But that's, that's, you're what, in trouble. That's what's going to make these worlds 74 is one of the best showdowns right yeah. there. These three come, you know, knock on wood, you know, no problems here. They have injury free coming in because they all look like they're on good training camps right yeah. now. They come through this. This is this will be one of the best seventy four kgs to watch. Maybe ever. Ever. If you're looking at the numbers, it will be. I guarantee you, you never see a podium this stacked in your life for the seventy four kilo. This this is this is the one, you know. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Did you want? Did you say you wanted to say something to the others? It's okay. Um, but yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed this show. And uh, and once again, this is why we do it. Guys like like my friend here coming out of Norway, and a lot of our listeners may not know the background on him. Mean that you're not paying attention to the European Championships when he's posting 773 kilo totals two years ago. And who knows what he's capable of bringing to the table. It's there though. It's, it's going to be a hell of a show. And I'm glad he came on here so you realize it. And you got a little taste for his personality and be like, oh damn, okay. We got ourselves, we got ourselves another epic showdown. In the well, here's, here's the thing about it. Instagram really took off the last couple of years. He disappeared for a couple of years basically off the thing. So... The problem with that is, is that that's how everybody knows everybody right now is through Instagram. And this guy kind of disappeared for a little bit. He didn't really disappear. Just took a little time off and got himself straightened out and come back. 
But that, that's the problem with today's thing, and that's what we're here for, is to show people people that have been, you know, now. Have been lost. So by all means, go follow them on Facebook. And in terms of us, if ever you got to listen, you take a screen grab of you listening to us, post it up. I will repost it. Tell your friends and everything, man. Let people know because these guys deserve this kind of attention and exposure and you guys deserve to know when you're watching the world championships some of these showdowns you may not have even been expecting and now you know so when the 74 kilos show up you'll be like oh shit i do not want to miss this one um from six pack lapidat randy cook till next time peace